Welcome to Empire's Breaking Badcast, where we look back over the series now that it has finished in triumph and wonder what could possibly fill this hole in our lives. Uh, This is going to be a podcast all about the whole of Breaking Bad. That's why we waited until it has finished. So this will have final season and indeed final episode spoilers on no account should you be listening to this if you have not yet seen Felina. Okay, watch the final episode, then come back to us. Are they gone? Fantastic. All right. Well, my name is Helen O'Hara. Joining me in the Empire Meth Lab today are our very own Jesse Pinkman, Ali Plum, uh, our very own Walter White, well, he is bold, James Dyer. I am the one who pods. And I'll be, I guess, standing in for Saul Goodman, what with the legal training. So uh, first things first, are we happy with the finale to this series? Are we left, you know, on a high? Did it go out on a high or are we feeling a little bit deflated? I would say that very much going out on a high. To get the name drops in early, I was lucky enough to be on the set of this final season, the final half of the final season. And I also got the opportunity to speak to a lot of the people who were involved behind the scenes, uh, both as directors and as writers. Vince Gilligan, the man who made this all happen, who came up with the idea. He was speaking to me a few weeks before the first episode of this new season came out. And he was talking to me about how he was going through moments of self-doubt. And he said these words, which I've kind of had rattling around in my head, since I watched this final episode and uh, this is what he said I freely admit that there were times in the last six months when I was very depressed and very anxiety ridden I was sure that the ideas we'd come up with made no logical sense uh, or emotional sense and worst of all that these ideas for an ending would not be satisfying but we got through that thicket of self-doubt and now we've shot all the episodes including the finale which we wrapped on April the 3rd and now we're editing them. I am really pleased and proud of the end result. I'm very close to it, admittedly, maybe too close to have the best vantage voice on it, but I have to believe we've come up with a proper ending for this show and one that the fans will be satisfied by. I certainly hope they will be. I am much more confident now than I was six months ago. I agree with him. I was very satisfied. There wasn't necessarily the, you know, Scarface ending, which many people predicted, where he'd walk in with a gun strapped to his chest and introduce everyone to his little friends it wasn't quite that it was still very true to itself Uh, there were all the beats i was hoping for we had a one last mechanical chemical macgyver moment where he assembled the gun trap we got a musical montage uh, of a sort there was a great cold open you know all those beats were still there it still felt like a breaking bad episode as well as being the final finale it was the coldest cold opener, if you will. It certainly <laughs> was. I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I loved, if we start at the beginning, if we begin at the begin, Walt sneaking in after he's sipped his whiskey into this car that he's jimmying his way into. And it's just a great opening shot. You just see the snow crystals on the window pane and you go, that's another lovely beat. There's the white crystal that he's moving into and there's just a little pocket where he's rubbed away uh, the, you know, the lock stick. I don't know what the word is for it. I just love that little touch and maybe I'm too into it like Vince Gilligan was but seeing him breathe that cold breath reminds me of those moments do you remember in Run when he's, he, he drives down those two dealers and they're just breathing these like plumes of, 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 of wet air it just makes me scared like seeing him with his cold fragile fingers try to jimmy open a lock it's just he's dying and it kind of sets up the idea that Walt is not long for this earth in whatever way it comes he's not going to last this one Yeah, well, I think that kind of, to me, right, this is possibly going to sound harsh. He always had to die. One way or another, he always had to die. Vince Gilligan has been very, very clear all along that this is an ending to the show, that this was going to be uh, a a complete and total ending. It was not going to leave any room open for a movie adaptation. This was not going to be a seasons and a movie kind of a a situation. And the only question for me was, was how are they going to do it? And yet that sets up, you know, he, he really is. He's a man on his last legs. He's, you know, physically speaking, he's just got to do a certain amount more before he can possibly think about quitting. He had a plan. and I love that feeling when you're watching Walt and he has got a plan. You don't know what it is, but he's got one and you're just watching him go through it. Yeah. And part of this plan is now, you know, he's back to his improvising MacGyvery ways. He finds the screwdriver. He hears the uh, you know, the sound of the sirens and the lights come on and he's still holding on to the screwdriver. And it's this great moment of, sure, he's dying. 
sure you can see that he's not long for this world but he will stab you in the throat with a <laughs> screwdriver if you touch him well again that was a nice little callback to the very first episode where he hears the sirens in the distance and he's sort of panicking and, and trying to figure out what does he do does he kill himself which was you know again a sort of a question in the, in the very opening episode in the very first pilot but it's also a question of is he going to go out fighting what's he going to do because at that point you remember he was standing in the desert with the gun and no trousers uh, watching, waiting for the sirens to come closer and then as in that case you know that time he realised it was actually fire trucks, not police cars. Uh, this time again, the lights passed him and he realised that the coast was clear and he was good to, to drive on. But you see how much he's changed because then he did try to kill himself, but the safety was on. That's the Walter White of the yeah. first episode. <laughs> the Walter White of the final episode doesn't need the gun. He has got the screwdriver and it is not so he can kill himself. It's so he can defend himself. Uh, obviously, you've got the humorous moment of Marty Robbins. Uh, he puts in the cassette and you know starts singing that and obviously he hums that again and sings it when he's assembling the gun later this gun contraption i've got one question for you guys see what your thoughts were on it when he speaks to himself is he speaking to god what is he saying he says the words just get me home i'll do the rest just get me home i'll do the rest Yeah, there was almost an element of kind of fate there because it was only after he said that that he thought to look i mean i have to say when he got into the car and checked the glove box I've seen some movies. So I was thinking, why aren't you checking the visor? Because Does that's where the key is. Does anyone actually do that? Well, Does no, anyone I mean, keep keys in the sun visor? But in, in movie logic, and you know, even Breaking Bad sometimes subscribes to movie logic, the key is always on the visor. You've got to check the visor. I can believe it because this is rural, rural, rural uh, New Hampshire yeah. in the middle of nowhere yeah. and it is cold. I can see how people hide their keys up there. Maybe I wouldn't do it. We're all sensible people. But it turns out this car, he got lucky. We live in the big city. We, we don't have any trust in us. A couple of thoughts on the name, the title of this. I've read some amazing stuff, some things that I genuinely didn't think of. Uh, it's a little bit nuts, but it's called Felina. Now, that is an anagram of what word? Finale. It's also a composition of three different chemical elements. <laughs> yeah. You ready for this? Iron, lithium and sodium. These are the core components of blood, meth and tears. I call bullshit on that one, but that is a fantastic idea, whoever came up with it. I love it. It's also, and this is the correct answer, a reference to the song El Paso, which he sings by Marty Robbins, which came out in 1959. The song concerns an unnamed cowboy who falls in love with a woman named... Felina! Who knew? And uh, gets shot by his enemies. The song plays in Walt's stolen car in New Hampshire and is later hummed by him as he assembles his M60. Good fact. Good, Good fact. fact. That's, a, that's a patented alley fact. Now, n- the next sort of major scene that we see, we see, we see Walt impersonating a, a New York Times journalist. I love that. We've got to, to get talk about that. Fantastic scene to get the whereabouts of Gretchen and Elliot and, and just make sure they're going to be home when he gets there. That's what I'm talking about in terms of the beats that I love from the show. That it, it found time and, and logical ways of putting it in to have all those key moments that you love. Like, for example, one of Walt's bullshit streams is one of the bits I love. You saw it in uh, the previous episode where you have the flashback of him trying to work out. So maybe I could say that he's being a bit of a hard ass. Uh, you know, how could I say my boss is being a dick? Why am I coming home late? Mm. And here you see him just does it. He's just like a pro. He comes up with the name David Lynn. He works for the New York Times and he takes off his watch that was quite important for me because that was the watch that Jesse gave him for his birthday and he just puts it there. He's kind of putting that aside. He's put aside. I really like that bit of bullshit and it is genuinely ingenious, but in a way that unlike the screwdriver and the key and the mm. visor, I could see it happening. I could see you going, oh, my photographer. Oh. Well, it was also, it was well done. If you notice, he said it's it's David again. So it's clearly, it's not just a mm. one-off call that he's making on the spur of the moment. He's actually set that up with a number of phone calls to the same person, uh, one or two at least, uh, which is which is kind of a good way of, of just showing how, how good he is at planning this out. He's also totally lost all physical self-respect by this point he looks like an absolute tramp in fact at times you know with his baggy jeans and his big jacket I went you're almost Jesse like it is almost but when he takes the pills he doesn't even care which one he puts in his mouth he tosses it in the mouth and puts it in with the car cleaning water you go this guy has reached rock bottom like he could do anything over the course of this episode and the fact that I'm watching this TV show and I'm getting that out of a, a little grace note of him using that yeah. kind of... It's just astonishing. The scene in Gretchen and Elliot's house, now that for me in some ways, and I'm, I'll, I'll kind of be, hopefully be able to justify this, This that was in some ways the most tense scene in this episode for me because I genuinely wasn't quite sure which way he was going to go with it, at least at first. Until the money was on the table, I was not sure which way this was going to go. And I think the way that it did go set up the rest of the episode and the 
the fact that he was giving them the money to get to Walt Jr. and presumably Holly as well, although she wasn't quite mentioned as much, was an indication that there was some seed of goodness in him that he was getting essentially getting rid of, <laughs> that he was dealing with and then moving on. And also that he was still capable of some kind of, not quite altruism, but something pretty close. He, you know, he, did, he was absolutely furious at the pair of them when he was in that bar in New Hampshire. You could see it. It just, it, it really drove him over the edge. But he still had enough rationality and enough uh, sort of clarity of vision to know that, you know, killing them or whatever he might have done was not actually the way to deal with them. Now, what he did to them was still pretty nasty. They're going to, still going to be looking over their shoulders. That, for me, was the most tense scene because once that scene was over, I thought, you know what? This is going to play out in a, in a way that's dramatically satisfying. And in a weird way, I was less tense for the rest of the episode because I thought, because I had trust again in Vince Gilligan. Not that I particularly ever lost it, but I really thought, this guy knows what he's doing. But it's important because it gives him purpose, doesn't it? Because the whole point of the last few episodes is that it's all been for nothing at this stage mm. that everything's kind of been undone in the same way that Mike was doing it for the very same reason and again it was all for nothing from his point of view as well so it, it gives him purpose it, it, it means that at the end of all of this what he did had value. Some good value Some least, good yeah. value uh, obviously you could argue that it had many more negative implications <laughs> than it did positive but some value has come out of it so there is that it is something which was unusual for Breaking Bad uh, certainly as I've watched it which is the uh, blatant horror style audio cue when the two laser pointers that you <laughs> discover are laser pointers and not in fact you know gun sights gun sights come up it gives you that <laughs> and you go oh crap did I just do an Uncle Tio in my pants it's a very scary moment and it's full of that noise there are a couple of other grace notes I love which is the you're going to need a bigger knife than that if we're going to be doing it that yeah. way <laughs> uh, and just before that the sign off phone call from um, Walt when he's being David Lynn is it should make one hell of a story which is I guess yeah. a, a pat on their own backs from the writers going well yeah I mean say what you like this is been a ripping good yarn but that also made me more tense because that was what I thought is like oh is there violence coming with no real purpose to it except vengeance. In our previous Breaking Bad spoiler podcast where we discussed everything up until the first season of the the first half of the fifth season, so 5A, uh, you know, I made a couple of guesses of what might happen. And my guess was that Walter Jr., Flynn, would be abducted in some way. I thought he'd have a much bigger role. Uh, I was totally wrong on that front. But I also predicted that there would be uh, some kind of vengeance for uh, Gretchen and Elliot. Because if you as we discover later on in a later scene, it was never really about the family. I mean, that was a good cover for him. He could say to himself, I'm doing this for my family and that justifies what I'm doing. But really, it's to feel like a man. And more than that, to flip the bird at these two because he really got screwed. I mean, just to remind you that, you know, you pick it up in the second season and also in part um, later on with the Empire business uh, speech. But what happened was is that, in case you've forgotten, you obviously, you probably remember this, but just in case you've forgotten, you know, he had a 50% stake in Grey Matter, which is now a $2.19 billion business, a business which allows its owners to live like absolute tools with their kind of uh, musical touch button entrance system and the indoor garden. I mean, what a pillock. I love the bit where he's <laughs> where he's sitting in the shadows and you just see him uncross his legs and I'm just like, that's that's enjoyable. And they do that trick again when you see him in the cafe later. It's like, oh, Fuck, that's him. Yeah. They have a license plate. Gretchen has a license plate that says Gree Mitter. The thing that he's her former lover, Walter, you know, they, they had a thing which didn't work out, Gretchen and him. And you see the look. I really enjoy that look where he goes, one of you I know very well looks at Gretchen and you realise this isn't just I didn't get the money, I didn't get the, the life. It's I didn't get the girl either. Things just nothing went right for this man. You know, the begin the first episode, remember, he was washing cars for extra money to pay for his for his life. I mean, it's just so sad. You know, the more you learn about him though, mm. it does kind of seem like he could have done better than washing cars. I mean, the guy was part of a Nobel Prize winning research team. And he ended up working as a high school chemistry teacher and making ends meet with a, at a car wash. Now, you know, initially, I have to say, I kind of got the, the timeline screwed up. And I thought that he, he left Grey Matter, for example, when Walt Jr. was born. You can imagine they would have had a lot of uh, physio to deal with, uh, given his condition. They would have had to a lot of medical bills, given the American healthcare system. You know, I can see why he might have had to step back and go into a stable kind of government job at that point to be able to provide. Um, but that actually wasn't the case. He'd, he'd left already. And I'm, I, the more you kind of think about the show, it is a tiny little logical hole 
Why isn't he getting because he's a moat? Because well, he's, a, he's a big he's a big glum pants <laughs> who who put on weight and not care about himself and just trudge along and have this kind of impotent moustache and just kind of slink through life so and go. The, oh, I didn't is, get the girl. Nothing. Oh. So, but I mean, but that kind of casts a shadow over his relationship with Skylar which is we're, we're told a pretty strong one and it looks like a pretty strong one and he, he says in that pilot episode you're the love of my life and there's nothing actually to gainsay that you know e- even with respect of his history with Gretchen I do think like um, listen this is absolutely picking holes I will totally admit that but there is a little bit of an element of narrative convenience in in the fact that he fell so far from what he had the potential to be um, and, and I think, you know, yes, he's he's moping and I guess you get kind of caught in a rut, but he's been in a kind of depressed rut in that case for, for 25 years, which seems a little bit of a long time. I, I guess it can happen. And in this instance, it did. So mm. it's a conceivable, if not all that conceivable situation. A couple of other moments I loved, which is when Gretchen turns on the lit fireplace and you can just feel that the writers are going... God, these guys are schmucks. I mean, really. They talk about getting some spa action. And how long it's been since they were in Napa. Oh, oh. poor things. And when he says, and he's touching the wall, I really like your house. <laughs> has, <laughs> has, a, has a compliment ever been so spooky? But yeah, that was that was very enjoyable, that scene. And just lest we forget, this was quite important, this whole, uh, this whole grey matter resolution, because this, wasn't, this was prompted by the young boy, wasn't it? Uh, that, uh, you know, the young boy with cancer who sort of spoke to Vince Gilligan while he was still alive, though he's no longer with us. It wasn't he the one who suggested to him, I want to know what happens uh, with Grey Matter. I want to know, I want that particular thread tied up. I'm certain they had that in mind, but yes, already. But yes, mm. I'm sure that's part of it. I, I have a couple of nitpicks with this season. This season was the season that more, most often made me go, mm, no, that doesn't feel right. And we'll get on to that later. But yes, that that was something I was very keen for them to resolve, and I'm glad they did. I wanted more with Flynn, uh, is what I wanted. But I thought, though, the way they played his final appearance was actually rather wonderful, um, in that you had Walt just literally looking at him through a building, through a washroom, um, watching his son not able to go near him because he knows how angry Flynn rightly is. Um, and, and I thought, and, and the police are watching. And the police are watching. But he, but you know, I mean, he, but for example, he didn't stay hidden inside until Flynn got home to try and have a final quiet word sure. with him. He knew that that was not an option. Um, and I thought that that was probably the the saddest and most poignant scene in the entire show. W- watching his son for what he knew would be the last time, um, and not able to go near him or say a word. That was pretty yeah i i, I kind of love that uh, oh yeah and the way it focused the focus pulled back from the back of walt's head onto the frame of the glass and he almost disappeared the the colors he was wearing the way they'd lined up the shot he almost completely disappeared into the background He's at that point walking into the distance uh, I, I i kind of got very excited about this uh going back to the previous scene we're talking about they use the, he uses the phrase cheer up beautiful people here's where you get to make it right like that whole line is kind of like it's covered in bile but I like that because I felt like in that scene he was like a Bond villain like he was f- <laughs> you say you know going from Mr Chips to Scarface he was fully like a villain of hmm uh, I've concocted this plan and if you don't do it they'll always be watching you <laughs> yes Skinny Pete and Badger will always be watching you which you, is you recognise them from their shadows I you? did yeah, the two as soon best as I saw... hitmen west of the Mississippi <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was genius. I must admit, initially, I only realised because I heard you laughing next to me and then I thought, hang on a minute, I know that waddle. Uh, yeah, it was nice to see them again. So well set up because in previous episodes you hear him asking people, do you know any assassins? Do you know any pitmen? Yeah. yeah. And in the end he just uses the two blokes who were talking about Star Trek a couple of episodes ago. Gosh, that was a good monologue. That line, uh, when, he, when they say, you know, is, is the blue meth still being sold? And then he works out it's Jesse. Again, a genius piece of plot manoeuvring. I thought to myself at the end of the last episode, how is he going to work out that Jesse's alive, let alone that he's making meth? But in using t- these two guys as the hitmen, he can find out about the more pedestrian world of, of, of meth making and consuming. And you get to hear lines like, oh, yeah, no, Jesse's doing really well. That shit is choice. Yeah. But they're still, like, petrified of him, so they don't want to say it's too good because, you know, that would be a little shady morality wise yeah <laughs> that was a great line as well um it was interesting that the way he played that because you didn't you still couldn't quite tell at that point if he was still furious at jesse or if there was an element of oh so that's what happened to jesse like, like there was Pity. still an element of care or yeah. something for him so that was um that that you really didn't know which way that was going to go until they were standing facing each other again it was 
pretty heavy stuff. We jump to, at this point, a very unusual thing for Breaking Bad, which was a semi-dream sequence. It's kind of ethereal. It's not a move they pull. It's not a usual situation. But you see this golden hue and you mm. immediately know this is not Breaking Bad. It's very Werther's original. Where's the grey? <laughs> Where's the dark green? Where's the, in Marie's case, purple? Although she's wearing a white shirt in this one. I don't think that's... Uh, you know, not important. Uh, but yeah, you get to see this golden... It's like a coffee advert or something. And he's making this perfect box. And he's putting the lacquer on and he rubs it in and he just brushes it off. And it's all so great. And then you cut to him. He's He looks so haggard. He may have had a couple of spoonfuls of Americone cream in the previous... Uh, Americone dream, I should say, in the previous episode. But he is looking terrible. It's shocking. Does this mean the neo-Nazis are fans of Stephen Colbert? It certainly does. Okay. The chain on his back. I mean... Oh, it's... Honestly, it's devastating. The thing is, I think Breaking Bad, as a, as an overview, is the process of trying not to have sympathy for Walter White. And it's gradually, slowly losing your sympathy for Walter White because of that first episode, you are so with him. You are so with him. And and over five seasons, you just you, you have to kind of lose that to some degree at least. Um, but and and the complete opposite with Jesse Pinkman. Jesse Pinkman, if if you're not a little bit in love with him, not in a you know girl boy way, but just like if you don't want to give him a big hug and make make it all right by the end of this, there's something wrong with you. Or in a boy boy way, in my instance. Sure. He's a spectacularly tragic character. It's uh, yeah, it is quite heartbreaking watching him because uh, he comes into himself around the midway point. So it's the rise and fall. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and just seeing him at the end, you know, just living this interior, as you say, Werther's original life to keep himself sane, and just that vacant sort of zombified expression on his face. Because I mean, it's been months, presumably, yeah. at that point, with Four him living five, in a yeah. pit. It's uh, and he escaped, but didn't. It's oh, just that, yeah, and yeah. The, well, that moment, that uh, that Andrea moment in the the previous previous episode destroyed me. Breaking Bad also gives each character the potential of being great in whatever field they happen to think that they could be great in. Like, you know, Jesse may be early on in the first season the guy who thinks a wire is an element, but he is in his head a very clever human being and if he just applies himself he's got all this potential and you know when he's actually locked up and chained to this meth lab he makes as good as Walt I mean there's almost a flicker of pride from Walt there's that anger of how dare he but also okay that's that's happened I think you see that at the very very end when he's kind of touring the lab there's there's an element of being you know almost pleased to be back in a lab back in an environment he understands but also there, there's a little flicker of well look what he did here this is pretty good this is well kept this is see clean. I don't know that that's what that moment was because obviously it's not really his lab isn't it yeah. it's not something he's set up I see I took that that final moment the expression on his face to be you know this is where he realised his potential this was where he became great and in many ways the meth lab is his fondest memory you his, know that's his, when he was something his legend was built here yeah and his whole life has been missed opportunities you know failing to achieve what his potential was and and at you know cooking that meth being heisenberg he was great yeah um and that's kind of the last uh the last thought that goes with him but sort of jumping back a little bit i think my my favorite uh moment from this particular episode was the uh the lydia moment uh with the stevio it's just it's just a glorious shot where he leaves she says you're gonna kill him don't worry about it. and then that downward shot where you just see her pouring it into the top of a chamomile tea and you think i know exactly what's in there because walt's smarter than you and he was here before you got here and he knew that you'd pick that up and he knows what table you sit at and you're fucked soya milk yeah, yeah. what is stevio is this some kind of sweetener stevio is a an artificial sweetener but i was thinking who has milk and chamomile tea? I, do you know what i thought the same thing soya milk as well yeah she deserved to die she sorry did. that's really it's a very it's very middle class comment but fair <laughs> um yes that's a that's a lovely moment rice and tea yeah it's um well you needed you needed there to there are so many things that you needed to come for it was so neatly tied up you needed to them to do something with the rice and which of course you knew they were going to from the first uh the first sort of flashback sequence earlier in the season you know it was lovely the way they tied up the Skylar situation, you didn't want to be left wondering, is she going to go to prison? What's going to happen to her? That he gives her, quite literally, her ticket out of there, you know, which is a lovely moment. And that's a lovely goodbye uh, between the two of yeah. them. Him finally admitting that he didn't do it for them, that it wasn't altruistic, that frankly it was all about him. And uh, and her not forgiving him, but you think finding sort of an element of peace from his from his confession. Absolutely. There's also, I mean, visually, that's a, an absolutely gorgeous shot when she hangs up the phone and says five yeah. minutes, the camera pans forward and you see that he's been there, that whole phone Standing call. Standing in the corner, obscured by a pillar. Obscured so, by yeah. a pillar, that's absolutely wonderful play. 
What is he wearing? He is wearing the Walter White suit. He's wearing his khaki, you know, with a little bit of tartan jacket on the underside. Uh, That matches perfectly with his chinos. He's got his little suede shoes on. And though the beard is big and bushy and his hair is slightly horrible, he looks terrible, but he feels great. Yeah, he's got that green shirt on exactly like he wore in the pilot when he was first cooking math. There is no logistical way in my mind he could have popped into Best Buy or whatever. (laughs) Or even that clothing store where uh, where Walter got picked on, you know, years earlier. To go, yeah, I'll have the usual. Uh, I'm looking, I'm looking for a Walter White. Yeah, I'll take my size, thanks. But you know, that's fine. Superman needs to be in his outfit when he's facing off against sort of the end. Like, I get that. I'll forgive them. It respect to Anna Gunn. Like these streams of tears just flying out of her eyes. Oh, yeah. And when he says goodbye to Holly, who is obviously a new a new actress now, new young actress, absolutely heartbreaking. Just saying that it destroyed me actually. Uh, yeah, the Scarlet scene was pretty much flawless. I I also like that you know. Maybe not right this second, but at some point in the next few days, Marie's going to get some kind of closure as well. We're going to find Hank and Gomi's grave. That was kind of important. I didn't want them out in the desert forever, just lost. Yeah. Do you notice how Walter was walking at that point? Both Jesse and him, I mean, Jesse was walking the way he was walking because he was tied up, but they're walking like zombies. It's like kind of this, this slow trudge, and it's just this pathetic man sloping off to his death in a way and part of me went hug her kiss her but no that would have been that would not have worked and you know they were right to not do that my biggest unanswered question about the pair of them is this jesse presumably didn't pass the police on his way out let's assume sure i I have to assume he got away um and is headed for alaska and will somehow one day build a new life there maybe there was money in the back of the car i don't really care but one way or another He's got to be all right. That's my head cannon. Um, uh, the the bigger question for me is this: uh, He left behind a, a lab that is presumably covered with his fingerprints, and I do slightly worry that and the police a gun. and then, and indeed a gun. I worry that in his absence, they're going to have him down as some kind of kingpin, and they're they're going to miss the fact that there's this leash in the lab and that there's an empty pair of you know chains. Uh, sitting beside Todd's body. Oh, also with the chains that were used to kill Todd. So even if, you know, they figure out he was in those, it doesn't do him a lot of good. So I, I do worry uh, in that sense that he's going to be in really serious manhunt The question situation. I would have is in a situation like that where I would think to a certain extent it's reasonably cut and dried what happened, would it be standard procedure to fingerprint the whole area? Would that not be an inconscionable use of time and resources? Would they just say, here's some dead guys, there's a dead guy, there's a bunch of dead guys? I, I suspect they do actually follow procedure in that case. But I wonder if it isn't quite as much like CSI as we think. And I think, well, well you know, <laughs> budgets, and it is nearly tea time, let's fuck off home. Um, let's hope so for Jesse's sake. Yeah, let's, I mean, it, that, that is a great moment, the moment where he nods and then he nods. And then there's that brief moment where you maybe wonder whether he's going to hit him with his car. Um, God, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I was genuinely not like this. He's already got a bullet in his stomach. Do not run him down I mean that would be poetically justified but please oh you didn't okay okay mm. <laughs> now you can scream cry as you burst through the gates <laughs> he deserved a scream cry yeah, he, if there's ever been a, a time day. for a scream cry just going back to the only niggle I might have is the the gut shot that Walt had didn't look imminently mortal um, he didn't appear to be bleeding out with any particular alacrity. He did have a smidge of the old lung cancer, so maybe true, he felt, true, he, he felt, true. He felt a bit weak. And yeah, when you have yeah. blood oozing, if not squirting out of your abdomen, you probably, you know, when you have that little flicker of life and you see it in enough TV shows to go, I think he's just let go of that flicker of life and mm-hmm. just went. Bye. <laughs> and that was it. And he fell down. And it's a lovely shot, isn't it? Sort of pulling up from him while he sort of lies yeah. on the floor by that big uh, canister. Okay, another slight plot thing is Jack is also proud. Jack is the guy who goes, yeah, I'll give you uh, I'll give you 10 million, I'll keep 80. Why? Because I'm Jack and that's what I'm doing in this scene. And again, you know, he goes, uh, Walt antagonises him and says, you know, you are partnered with Jesse. Ha ha, you know, you're, you're just some schmuck. And he goes, oh no, I'll prove it to you, I'll prove it to you, I'll prove it to you. He went, it's a bit handy, isn't it? You know. Yeah. And then he gets to save Jesse, but at the same time they're still fighting. He had this horrible idea that Jesse would be lying on the floor underneath Walt and then he'd just push Walt into the line of fire. And that's how you'd, you'd get it. 
by the way, there was something they love their machines in this. They love their machines. They love their con continuing r routines and their rotors. So you have Lydia who has a rotor and a routine. She comes and she has her soy milk in the same way and her tea, and that's great. And she has her little fake sugar. And here you have the machine which keeps ticking. You know, he set up this little Roomba robot type thing where it sprays left to right. Then you've got the easy chair, the lazy boy, inflating and deflating that keeps going. There's something that in saying this, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Meth is still going to be there, like. Heisenberg may have died and Jesse might have gone off into the wild blue yonder. This will still keep going. The machine is still there. The system's still chugging along. Again, this feels like I'm analysing poetry in a bad way, but I feel like there was certainly something going on there. And they, they still managed to sneak in some comedy moments. Even when the MacGyvery bullets get sprayed, you get the Lydia Groucho Marx ringtone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's... Uh... And that, I love how well-observed meth Damon Todd's creepiness is you see him pick a little hair off the back of uh, Lydia's jacket in the previous episode and you go oh you're such a creep and then his ringtone is special for her <laughs> yeah that's it, the, the, his death where well, you could see that coming but that was I think a very cathartic moment that was quite necessary and his murder uh, is very similar to the way Crazy 8 gets murdered by the bike lock in mm. the second episode up against the pillow it's that choking and I mentioned this previously outside of the podcast room, but Jesse loathes killing. He has, if there's a defining feature for him as a criminal, he does not kill. When he has to kill Gale, that is incredibly bad for him. And you see him playing Rage uh, and the mutants turn into different things. and It really affects him. And when he has seen murder before, when he sees the run moment, when that happens, he's freaking out. He does not kill. And now, when you are, this is what this is his breaking point. It turns out that Jesse's breaking point is being locked in and in, in a cupboard <laughs> for four months and being a meth monkey. Uh, that is his breaking point, and he will, without a beat, is on him like flies on shit. Yeah. And just choking him. See that little click when he goes. Yeah. Oh, Everyone's got a breaking point, and I think uh, Jesse's Jesse's was pretty far along actually. So fair play to him. And that blood splatter when well he goes well if you don't listen to me then you won't find one that. The blood splatter yes, on the that camera. A, that was a very nice shot. Yeah, amazing. The only thing I will, will say about this, and we've talked about this before, is that Uncle Jack uh, and his compatriots feel a little bit ersatz. Do you know what I mean? They feel like they've been created specifically to channel some of your distaste and ire away from Walter and to juxtapose him against them so, so as to engender sympathy for him. And to make... You know, tying up that particular loose end and to make vengeance against them, essentially what is the climax of the show. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing, but it does feel a little bit like they were a device that served a purpose and they don't feel like, I, for want of a better term, a big bad that needed taken care of. Yeah, I think there's, a, there's an element of that, absolutely. I think the, the problem is you had Gus stick around for such a long time and you had that, uh, that brilliant kind of arc mm. of him going from possible friend to definite foe and it was it was beautifully played out and very slowly and and painstakingly developed um, but it didn't actually leave a heck of a lot of room for other kind of villains or threats mm. in the series so so jack and co actually came up very fast and i think that's kind of the problem if they'd been introduced sort of a season or two in advance and we'd gotten to to learn a little bit more of what i'm sure they would like to call their culture then it might have felt a little bit more kind of weighty mm. that it, it came down to uh us versus them as it were for, for walt i think the other issue is that the there have been a couple of criticisms of the show for having no i don't i'm not saying i buy into these but I'm saying maybe it was on somebody's mind. There were a couple of uh, criticisms that the show basically showed white people going into an area previously controlled by Latino people and being better at it and and sort of taking over and that this was a sort of a weird cultural and not very tasteful cultural kind of thing that it, it happens in a few TV shows and that this was another example and therefore maybe that's why they were white supremacists this time do you know what I, I think it was as simple as right okay they're they're they're, they're killers and, and they're trying oh let's make them racist you know I mean? how can we make them <laughs> as evil as possible you know they probably burn puppies as well i think there was that sense that you've got to make them bad because walt is so far gone by the middle of this season that there are and and, and this has been long documented but your sympathies for him vacillate wildly throughout the show and i think in this final season there are definitely a number of episodes where he loses you yeah uh, and when he says to jesse when he says to them take jesse kill jesse and then he's goes up to Jesse says I killed Jane at that point I think you feel nothing for Walt 
you know, it's just he's killed it. And it's credit to Gilligan and, and, and the writing team that they do manage to claw it back. And by that final uh, that final episode, I think he's regained everything that he lost since the pilot. You know, you feel everything because he's so broken and he's such a sorry thing with his soup stains down his front and whatever that, you know, you feel for him once again. Perhaps not as deeply as you do for Jesse, who's having a much worse time. But uh, And the cancer's back and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Speaking of Jane, I felt there was a little bit of a Jane, maybe not nod, but they were using the same trick where... Walt sees Todd being choked by Jesse, mm. and does he do a thing? He does not do it a thing. It does evoke that, doesn't it? And it make, and the way he choked, I couldn't help but think to Jane, and there's a weird moment where if you think Jesse of the Jane era, second season, it's not the same guy anymore. The key moment of that scene isn't necessarily the death of, of Todd. It's the, I want you to kill me. I want you to say it. And Jesse, for so long, for the five and a half seasons, has been his tool, his machine, his utility, I need you to do this, pick this up, you need to sell more than that, well, who do you think I am, Scarface? You know, he has been his little kind of gopher. And here is the time where he goes, I am not your bitch, bitch. Mm. I am me. And you might even beg for it. Kill me. I will not do it because I am not your tool. Again, it's sad that he learnt this after four months <laughs> as the meth monkey, but that for me was a huge moment. It's like, no, no, I won't. Not even if you beg, not even if I tell you to beg. And you do know. I think the way that Walt finally dies is is perfect. Now, I don't know if you've seen this online. The AV Club wrote a fantastic piece about it. Um, Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium, that DVD that there were two copies of, unlikely, as even the director of Mr. Megorium says, um, in Walt's remote New Hampshire cabin. There is a quote in that movie that's relevant to Walt's death scene and to the final episode of Breaking Bad. Would you believe it? I'm, I'm not even kidding. Um, because Mr. Megorium talks about King Lear and he says, when King Lear dies in Act 5, do you know what Shakespeare has written? He's written, he dies. That's all, nothing more. No fanfare, no metaphor, no brilliant final words. The culmination of the most influential work of dramatic literature is, he dies. It takes Shakespeare a genius to come up with, he dies. And yet every time I read those two words, I find myself overwhelmed by dysphoria. Um, I know it's only natural to be sad, but not because of the words he dies, but because of the life we saw prior to those words. I've lived all five of my acts, Mahoney, and I'm not asking you to be happy that I must go. I'm only asking that you turn the page, continue reading, and let the next story begin. And if anyone asks you what became of me, you relate my life in all its wonder and end it with a simple and modest, he died. Who'd have thought that film was so profound? I know, right? It all comes back into play. <laughs> if you type in Lydia Breaking Bad, you get Lydia Breaking Bad hot, Lydia Breaking Bad shoes, Lydia Breaking Bad actress. She, uh, her full name is, I think, well, her actual name is Laura Fraser, and she is from Scotland. And so we, we know this very well. She was the blacksmith in A Knight's Tale. But she does that voice, like that kind of sickly fake syrup voice but it's funny how she is she's given as big a fuck you ending if you pardon my french as the rest of them yeah like todd yes you shot that kid without even thinking about it in the in the train house bang gone but for lydia i went yes you are you are kind of a um, a drug dealing robot harpy harpy yeah i felt kind of bad for her i mean she's almost getting the worst death she's just kind of going to be in her bed and dying i someone, felt bad for her daughter someone jokingly suggested on twitter this morning that maybe her daughter and brock could get together in a sequel set 20 <laughs> years from now Shoo. i'm so sorry <laughs> oh man uh but yeah i almost felt bad for her almost uh, anyway the final song uh, was baby blue by Badfinger, uh, and you see that as you get the final raised to the ceiling shot and one of the first lines you hear is i guess i got what i deserved again breaking bad's doing that thing that it normally tries to lean away from crystal blue's persuasion i'm sure they could have used in a montage yonks ago but now in the final season they're going well look this is the perfect song for it and it says what i wanted to say here it is everyone gets what they deserve because i mean all along this has been a morality play and it you know it has played out accordingly i mean i think you know like skylar for example you know skylar's Skylar's culpability was smaller because she has never done anything except try to protect her kids. And sometimes she's done it in a bad way and sometimes she's done it in, the, you know, in an unsuccessful way, but she has always been trying to protect her family, I think, um, in a way that Walt hasn't. And that shows up in the way that she's been treated. She's She's been punished. She's suffered for what she did do, 
but not to the extent of, say, you know, Walt or even Jesse. And now she's working a crappy job so that her son can, you know, have something to eat when he gets home. It's, yeah, she has a really sad story. Uh, someone who actually has a pretty damn good story. And if there's a winner of this, it's Saul Goodman. He is the superhero that that will live on in infamy. He will, you know, running a Cinnabon in Ohio or wherever, but he is the winner because he has pot loads of money no doubt about that he has had uh, he's probably stuffed them in those pink suitcases he had but he is free somewhere being Saul and it is almost sad that you know we were saying earlier that he doesn't get to have his spin-off be a sequel because I guess it wouldn't make sense because he wouldn't be a lawyer but yeah he is a uh, a loose thread which he just he came in in the second season he leaves in the penultimate episode and there he is he's off doing his thing the one person I was thinking about is Huel what happened to Huel he's probably still sitting in that motel room that's what I think He's just sitting on that bed going, guys? G- guys? Well, I mean, there was another DEA agent looking after him, so I'm just going to hope that at some point that guy has thought, hey, Hank's taking an awfully long time. Maybe I should talk to this dude and see what the heck he knows. Let's hope. The the thing, though, about Breaking Bad's legacy, and I think the, the important part about this, about this is that uh, as viewers, we are as, if not more, invested in it now than we were when it began and that is so rare for TV series nowadays to not flag to not falter to not let the quality slip uh, especially towards the end I mean people talk about the great TV series but almost all of them have this problem The Sopranos has a very sort of up and down uh, in terms of quality and the last season has all I just say the word Johnny Cakes to any Sopranos fan you see them roll their eyes uh, has a lot of issues and lots of people dislike the final episode and I think for good reason you can read what you want to into it but it's not a fulfilling uh, closure to that particular story and that's not a fulfilling season to end it on I mean Dexter a long running show which to be fair has been going downhill for a while uh, finished a couple of weeks before Breaking Bad with a truly a abominable finale so much so that I think when people look back on Dexter they won't see the good stuff the John Lithgow series for example and the season 2 actually which is even better than that Um, it's all lost because the quality dipped towards the end and I think that happens an awful lot with shows that uh, in fact Breaking Bad there are very few I think The Shield is one that I would put forward as one where the quality never ever dropped off and if anything it got better as it went along and its best season was probably the final one did you say lost on purpose there? (laughs) <laughs> no, I didn't. But Lost is another one. Lost is difficult. I mean, it's difficult to compare um, to compare network and, and cable shows because network shows tend to be cursed by the situation where studios or other networks don't ever want them to end and they don't allow the writers to set their heart out. And so these things go on and on ad infinitum. I mean, look at the X-Files. If they, you know, clip that off at the end of season six, brilliant. Job yeah. done. But no, it had to drag on to season nine and by that point it had lost Everything that made it what it was. I think I think this is a, this is a perennial problem because most writers and creators going in don't know and can't be sure how many seasons they're going to have yeah. and can't plan accordingly. So the wire is is obviously the great and shining exception uh, to that. But I mean, every virtually everything else. I mean, we adore the West Wing, but it's had its ups and downs. I adore Battlestar Galactica, but I, I don't know what happened at the end. Um, even something like Sex and the City, where the TV show ended fairly well I Mm. guess people seem to be okay with it but its reputation has been horribly you know undeniably tarnished by those shallow stupid movies to the extent where nowadays it's not talked about as being part of the HBO kind of renaissance of TV it's sort of you know brushed off as a side note and I think that's a shame which is a shame and I think that's absolutely I mean but but the classic example okay I'm about to like myself as an even bigger nerd is is Babylon 5 which was planned with a specific arc in mind and then they kept threatening to cancel it so we kept having to rewrite accordingly and even when he got the five episodes, five seasons in the end didn't know what to do with the last one because he'd wrapped everything up because he season pulled four. everything forward to the end of season 4 yes no Straczynski had a plan for that uh, and, and, and it was a shame that that got derailed I mean you mentioned The Wire The Wire is a great show from start to finish but I think very few people uh, would argue that the fifth season is in keeping with the quality of the of the four that preceded it. It loses its way a little bit at that point, and its quality does diminish. Uh, that said, it's still a fantastic show, still one of the best television shows. But Breaking Bad doesn't even wobble, doesn't even waver. I feel like Vince Gilligan had the power to say, this is how I'm doing it, in a way that previous showrunners, they've incrementally had more power. But he was like, and I'm stopping it now. They said, oh, can we make it two seasons? Okay, 
as part of one season, but this is when I'm stopping it. And the spin-off, you know, that may be another thing. But I think he's rarely being able to go, and this is where I end it because this is what I wanted to do. And fair play to AMC for absolutely supporting him throughout because, uh, you know, they, they said yes. Even if he had to talk them into it, they said yes, and they they went with that plan, and, and it has absolutely worked. When you've trusted a man to pull off such dramatic feats as Jane's death, you kind of go, you know what, I trust you. I think <laughs> you might know what you're doing. Uh, a couple of other mirroring moments uh, that you may or may not have noticed uh, is that Jack's death mirrors the way Hank was killed, except that in Hank's death, of course, it was Walt saying, money, 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 I'll give you money, I'll give you money, bang. Whereas this one, it's, oh, well, you don't know whether... The- so yeah. there's a there's a mirroring there. Uh, and I didn't see this, but I've, I've been told in retrospect, I've been told by the internet that on that final uh, shot, and we've got to talk about this, where he puts his bloodied hand mm. onto, I'm going to get this wrong. What was the name of that, that piece of equipment? That a condenser or something? Condenser or a... Let, let's look it up. It's a big metal cylinder. When he does this, it looks, the way it's distorted, and I wonder whether they did this genuinely... Uh, like instead of it being full beard, full hair, that's a healthy head of hair you got there. Um, that it's a shaved Walter White, and it's a goatee in the reflection. So as he's slinking down, that's Heisenberg dying. But it's it's done in this kind of you know mixed up, mashed uh, reflection of the uh, of the drum. I must go back and see that because no, I missed that entirely. I was too busy looking at yeah, the finger marks. You, you can you can just see that you know it is a reflection rather than. Uh, a sort of a hallucination, but he absolutely his his forehead is kind of magnified by the curve of the of the lab equipment, and and you can just see the it, it's centered on the on the front of his face. So you can just see the kind of the goatee, but not the full beard. Happy coincidence? No, not for a moment. It's funny though. People talk a lot about Gilligan defying expectations. I would say of all the episodes, this is the one episode that felt the most, uh, if not predictable, but the most. Neat. I don't think there were there was anything. There were no swerves. There were no vault fast. There were. It was very. You could see where this was kind of going, and it was in many ways all of the boxes you expected to be ticked in the way you expected them to be ticked. I'd kind of agree with that. As I said, once I got past the uh, the that early scene with Gretchen and Elliot, I felt mm. like, okay, yeah, they're going to tie this up in a way that feels right. And and for some reason, what felt right to me was, you know, I, I felt like he had to say some kind of goodbye to Skylar, have some kind of closure there. But not in a violent way. <laughs> he had to. He had to help Jesse, as far as I was concerned, and he also had to die. Yeah, um, I've always felt that suicide is this kind of faint undercurrent throughout the whole thing. I've always felt that there was that feeling, and and I'm pleased that the way they did it wasn't a direct piece of suicide, even through Jesse, which is indirect, direct. But it was Walt's own contraption that got him. If he just fallen to the floor and hadn't saved Jesse, if he just gone whispered in Jesse's ear, down because, you know, he likes his one-word commands, down. He may not have been high enough to be clipped, and he may not have died. But you know, by the way he was talking to Skylar, he wanted to die. Yeah. He had resigned himself to that fact. And the way that he commits he commits suicide is in this kind of fate way. And that's why I almost feel like when he's saying, just get me there and I'll do what I need to do, I'm getting the phrase wrong, but when he's talking to himself slash God at the beginning, I feel like that's it. Just get me there. There'll be a way and I will probably die be it through me begging Jesse or whatever but God I guess gave him one last break which is it really is I mean, it's been said all the, all along it's Shakespearean tragedy it's Greek tragedy but it absolutely felt like it in that sort of final the, the final sort of confluence of events that led to his actual death it, it, it did feel like you know for everything from from the key falling from the visor onwards oh that was such a good shot I, I uh, we're talking about this season as a whole as well here but I felt in this season that things were at times very rushed. Things happened very quickly. And it felt more like a... I've been calling it a gangster soap, which seems very unfair. Because this is still a five-star show. It's incredibly good. But at times it felt like it wasn't quite breaking bad. It felt at times like it was... This was happening, and this was happening, and this was happening. And then Holly's taken, and then Holly's not taken. And then, you know, the Ozymandias phone call, and then end. You know, it, it, sometimes it felt very, 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 very too intense. And this episode, again, as I said before, felt breaking bad through and through this felt to me the season at times where they were rushing parts of it here and there but they had this final concluding paragraph that was so beautiful so poetic that they knew they had that in the bag and the bag is in the river no but they knew they had that in the bag Uh, so 
that's why I got so much out of this more than I would do otherwise because this was a return to that kind of Breaking Bad after what at times was incredibly uncomfortable viewing what did you guys feel about certain episodes in the series where you just went I feel unwell I feel sick I feel <laughs> horrible I can't watch this and I used to watch Breaking Bad mainlining it like I would have half a season and I would just go one two three four five uh, I, for me I mean I watched about three episodes in a row around Ozymandias uh, with my hands sort of cupped to my mouth ready to gasp in horror at any moment um, because it just felt like anything awful could and would happen at any moment. Terrifying stuff. Well, we've, we've uh, both Helen and I, have essentially caught up in a short period of time. Uh, I watched uh, season two onwards over the past couple of months uh, in short order. So it's been a very intense roller coaster ride just to get up to date uh, before the finale. And it's, yeah, it's incredibly intense, incredibly difficult to watch. I'm, I'm curious. I know we, we have a feature up on the website now, our, uh, what we believe to be the, uh, the greatest Breaking Bad moments throughout the, uh, the five seasons. But if, if any of you could pick an individual moment, what would you choose? Of the whole show? Yeah. See, this is impossible. I've been writing this feature, this 25 strong best moment, and I've picked a couple of ones which are kind of for my own devious reasons. But I love the moment where uh, Spooge's head, do you remember Spooge, the tweaker, uh, with the kid and the insane wife, uh, gets his head squished by the ATM <laughs> machine. I mean, that's just absolute grimness. And speaking of grimness, uh, you've got the acid bath in the second episode, which is just... I mean, I, you remember the game Quake? It felt like that, that meaty chunks just falling from the... Jibbing, th- I believe it's called. Jibbing! That's the word I was looking for. I'm so glad we've got the word jibbing into this podcast. Yes. But yeah, when that falls on the floor and you just... You can hear the hiss of the acid. Maybe this brings out the more disgusting side of uh, my imagination. And uh, finally, Vince Gilligan's love of explosions, which I called him up on when I interviewed him. I said, you love an explosion. Come on. You can't get enough of it because you've got uh, Tortuga's tortoise uh, when that explodes. Uh, You've obviously got uh, the end of Gus. And I was waiting in this one for an explosion. I was waiting for the meth lab to go up. And there was yeah. even there's even a, at the very end there's a, a smoking cigarette that fell from a bad guy's hand next to a pool of what's actually I think blood from where it is rather than oil but it, it could have been oil and it could have been an explosion I did think at one point they were going to burn everything I there. did think everything was just to go up in flames yeah and you know how um, meth labs so easily flammable but yeah those are just a few of my favourite moments uh, James I know you love the moment when Tio type you know dings out f you that it is a good moment it's not my actual favorite moment i've actually queued up which is which is my favorite moment from the show if i can if i can find it because what the hell was that exactly you might want to hold off yeah why because your boss is going to need me that precise moment when he says your boss is going to need me uh, when he's had Jesse go off to kill Gail, it's just just the look in his eyes, the coldness. And I know there've been there's been shadowing. You've seen Heisenberg before this. I mean, he's in full meth production at this point. But that for me is the moment where you saw him break bad, where you just saw this ice cold, calculated person inside him. Just the, just the look in his eyes. Not even what he's saying, although that's part of it. And I just love that moment. I watched it over and over again. I can't count the number of times that friends of mine who like Breaking Bad or have just done what you've done, which is just binge or Breaking Bad have gone, when do you think was the moment he broke bad? <laughs> and this conversation, and we've got to end this podcast at some point, can last for days. Oh, yeah. What about this bit? Run. We've already talked about Run. We've talked about Jane's death. I was about to there are it. so many points. There are so, so many. many it's, just, it's just, for me, it's just the steel in him, which you've seen. You've seen him kill people. I mean, that bit, absolutely run. That's a, that's a brilliant moment for it. But it's just that particular bit. It's so sinister. He's essentially just ordered the death of a fairly innocent, very pleasant, congenial guy. And he just looks Mike in the eye and says, your boss is going to need me. It's nice. I, I mean... I was just re-watching the pilot this morning. I mean, it's right there from the... The steel is always there he, where he stands up to the bullies who are making fun of Walt Jr. It's very barely concealed. and It's, it's like the sand blowing away from a, from a statue, which comes back to Ozymandias, I guess, to reveal the granite underneath. My favourite moment is probably the... Uh, he made up his mind ten minutes ago. Oh, you you like that, did you? I absolutely love that because I think it so shows tragic. that for all that Walt knows... He sometimes doesn't know quite as much as he thinks he does, mm. um, and I thought that, and and I think it gave Hank um, a really wonderful last 
moment because because it showed that you know he knows what he's doing it showed his kind of his expertise and i think it's something you know he's always been portrayed as a bit of a bumbler a lot of the time and a sort of a good time guy and uh and while he has a tendency to look down on walt i think walt also has a tendency to look down on hank and that for me shows that he was wrong I think that shows kind of Hank's power that, that Walt will never have, which is this general way of the world, street smarts. You know, the reason why he got Jesse in the first place involved was because he just didn't know people in that way. He couldn't do that. He was a little too milquetoast or bookish to, to get away with that kind of conversation with real, quote unquote, people. But yeah, the way Hank's just like, I, kn- I knew it. I've, I've seen this too many times. I know it too well. You're the smartest guy I'll ever know. Okay, I just want to, before we finish up, and this has already been pretty long, um, I want to read out a couple of the readers' questions uh, about the, the finale. Um, at David Anderson 95 asks, it's kind of a dark question, but would you have liked to see anyone die that didn't, <laughs> or vice versa? That's a really good question, uh, may I say, because we did get plenty O-death uh, in this episode. There was a part of me that for the dramatic, uh, you know, I wish this was almost Clue. We had three endings. I wish we got to <laughs> pick our own. We got to see one where Jesse got his... Well, Jesse broke bad as I'm trying to I'm really trying to peddle this idea where Jesse just you know lodges a bullet in Walt's head I mean I would like to have seen that I would never have liked Jesse to have died I'll say that yeah. much to, to answer your question perversely I would never ever have been happy if Jesse died uh, because he, he needed to have some sort of win he has had he's been eating shit pie for a long time and I'm glad he he got that scream cry. Uh, who would I like to have died? There aren't that many people left, really. There <laughs> really what, aren't. There's precious few. <laughs> I mean, I certainly wouldn't have liked Flynn to have died, or or, or 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 even or even Marie, though she does wind me up sometimes. Um, I felt that she, as a character, a little bit like Flynn, got a bit of a, a bit of the short stick. A bit there sidelined, yeah. Because you could have a whole episode in in season two, Breaking Bad. You'd have a whole episode about Marie coming to terms with Hank's death. Mm. And instead, she gets two moments. That phone call where she debates whether Becky's on the left or Carol's on the right. or she, And then she gets the bit where she's driving up to her house and that she sees that the ever so nasty evil Nazis have of have taken the Broken videotape. In, yeah. in fact, speaking of best moments, I really enjoyed the video, the confession. That's another through line throughout all of Breaking Bad. Remember the pilot, there's the video confession to whom it may concern, you know. Yeah. And uh, that's not an admission of guilt, he says so. But it is, yes, it's a message to his family. That, that, that It's something that's used time and again. But uh, to watch somebody watching TV, even if it is a message from a drug kingpin, uh, is a special trick to pull off. And that was, I've never been so tired from watching somebody watch TV in my entire life. And the fact that Skylar was in on it as well. I would have liked the, uh, maybe not Huel, but the other guy. I've never really liked him. He could have died. <laughs> Fair enough. I kind of wish Mike had made it. I felt like he had everything he needed to make it. And also, let's not forget the innocent victims of all this, Andrea and Jane. Well, semi-innocent semi Jane. She was, you know, drug-using at the time and did die of an overdose without... And to be fair, did blackmail a very dangerous man. Okay, yeah, so. admittedly not so much innocent. But, I, but, you know, for the sake of, you know, Jesse, if nothing else, Jane and Andrea maybe could have lived. There was a part of me that wanted, a very small part of me that wanted... Uh, Walt to come in and just kill Gretchen a bit <laughs> just, just a bit. bit not entirely just not kill entirely. her a little bit just legs no, I don't mean that okay um, uh, this is something you've touched on James but um, at RPV House says uh, I'm seeing a lot of dissenting opinions recently they're saying The Shield did what Breaking Bad is doing but better what are your thoughts on that does what it's doing but better if does what Breaking Bad is doing means stayed good, then it did that. I don't know that you draw a great deal of parallels between The Shield and Breaking Bad, um, except to say that they both have anti-heroes. Uh, and what The Shield did very well in its final season was... Uh, the thing with The Shield is the, the pilot episode of The Shield sort of ends with Vic shooting another police officer in the face. Um, and from that point on, he's basically damned. Uh, and yet he is very charismatic. There's a, there's a, I'm digressing here, but there's a wonderful scene in the, in the first episode where there's a, a, a sort of paedophile child trafficker who's essentially withholding the information of a girl and the proper police officer, CCH Pounder, she can't get the information out of him. So she calls Vic Mackey and he comes in with a phone book and a pair of pliers and a knife and we won't go into details, but he gets the information. And the point is that he is a bad guy, but he is a bad tool who can be used to do good. Um, and so all the way through you have this kind of mixed relationship with him Uh, and in the final season I think what they manage to do is they burn every bridge they tie up every thread but they end it in such a way that and I'm not going to spoil it because some people won't have seen The Shield but 
they do it in such a way that uh, it's all tied up neatly. Uh, it's not an easy out, and yet he can't entirely get away with it. There has to be some judgment. There has to be some justice, uh, and it's 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 very well dispensed. Uh, if anyone hasn't watched all seven seasons of the Shield, go out and do it immediately because it's excellent. Um, do I think it does it better than Breaking Bad? Do I think it's better than Breaking Bad? No, probably not. I think Breaking Bad is a very different show. It's much faster moving, uh, and but it, and it doesn't have as much artistry to it, but uh, equally very good. Okay, then at Casper Koopman asks, uh, what's your favourite Breaking Bad point of view shot? Cracks, knuckles. Uh, <laughs> what I've got here is a lot of the cast shots. I like a lot of the cast shots, whether they're in washing machines or just in the air vents uh, in Holly's room uh, or wherever they may be. There is a lot of... What they like to do is put a camera on a table and then cover it with money and then have somebody take the money off the table. Oh, yeah. And we have lots of under-table shots from the crystal being broken when it's blue. You see that a lot, both in montages and just generally when they're doing cooking. Uh, Other moments that are great. Point of view shots, I'd argue that when the plane explodes uh, and you see the point of view from the eye of the bear as it falls to ground and it's cgi which is again unusual for uh, breaking bad but to see that as you just shoot down into uh, this suburban normalcy uh, that's a fantastic shot you've got the trunk shot where the cousins whip out an axe from the back of their car uh, which is obviously very tarantino-esque uh, what are other good point of view shots are oh, the roomba uh, the roomba robot that's a, a great point of view shot and it is interesting and again i'm sorry i've been learning out so much in breaking bad that i'm kind of doubling up on the stuff i've said in the best moments because the roomba shot is one of my uh, best moments uh, is that there's no music to it because it was after the party and they will find any reason to stick in a tune. But there they're like, no, it's probably not appropriate. So they, they don't do that. Helen, you go on? Um, the fly. Uh, that that whole episode has various points of view shot from the point of view of the fly that is torturing Walt, or at least his guilty conscience is torturing Walt and the fly just happens to be there. Mm. But uh, but that's that's pretty cool. That's, that's used brilliant. I mean, that's a brilliant two-hander, that episode. So I think the, the shot gets a bonus for that. All right, and we'll finish off with this one. It's from at not HWM who asks, in your opinion, what's your favourite episode of Breaking Bad? Uh, mine is The Fly. Yeah, so. yeah Ryan Johnson joined that one. Uh, my favourite episode by a long, long way is... Um, well, that's not fair. It's not by a long way. Uh, Gliding Overall uh, is, is a really important one. That's the final episode of the first half of the final season uh, where you get, obviously, the Hank moment, but you, you, you get loads there. There's just so much in it. I think when I look back on this show, I'll realise that the first half of the final season is, I think, better than the second half of the final season in so much as it maintained the uh, the, the slowness that I was looking for whilst having some Im- very important moments in it. But the best episode for me is uh, the I won. Uh, at the end of the fourth season. I maintain, though this has been a fantastic ending to this show, let us underline that. There's no one no one descending voice in this room that doesn't agree with that. But I, they could have ended the show in the end of season four. They could have ended it with I won and looking at the uh, Lily of the Valley, and that would have been that. Who knows, he would have gone on and, and, and done worse or greater things. But it, it's, it's the fact that Vince has stuck to his guns and he's made this not encourage either meth use or meth production it's always been showing both sides of the coin you see jesse high as a kite and happy as hell and down in the depths of the despair but there's no way they could have actually ended the show with him going i won guess what i'm a drug dealer and it's great (laughs) i came up with this good plan and everyone i needed to die is dead hurrah but i love that episode the way he plans it all so perfectly and it just comes together just great tv yeah at the risk of being obvious, I'm going to say Ozymandias, another Ryan Johnson episode, um, one where a heck of a lot of plot happens. I mean, I think it almost it's almost rushed, actually, but it allows for uh, for Granite State to be a little bit more slower and more meditative and, and then for this one to be, I think, perfectly paced. Um, but yeah, that, that was just, and it packed such an emotional wallet because who doesn't love Hank? And Jesse got it, got it in the neck as well, and just yeah, and that's, and that's the Flynn reveal as well. And it's the Flynn reveal, and that's heartbreaking because <laughs> he finally learns the truth about his father. And she says, "A buckle up." And he goes, "Are you freaking kidding me?" Which is a fair comment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that is a that is a very good episode, but that is part of the rushing. It is. We, it is. we argued about this a lot in the office. I know because you you didn't like the acceleration towards the. Uh, and I got told off five. for not liking it. Yes, this, we called you a hater. This is a which sh- indeed you are. This is a show that encourages people to be incredibly in love with it. And I've been rereading old reviews of season two, season three episodes, which are now heralded as godlike genius. Oh my god, the scene with the with the drug taking and blah 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 blah. 
B minus AV club. You know, it's it wasn't always viewed this way, but it has reached nirvana, and it can, it's it's reached that plateau where it's it's basically all brilliant, but it isn't. Some bits aren't the way I would have done it. But then again, I'm just some schmuck, and uh, I'm not in <laughs> in charge of one of the best TV shows. I've ever I, I'd be honest. I like the acceleration, and I'd have to agree with Helen. I think Ozymandias is the best episode, if for no other reason than I don't think I've had a more traumatic hour of television in my entire life. Just everything that happens in that episode, and you're quite right, any of those individual elements would have warranted an entire episode in a previous season. Uh, But from a pacing point of view, it accelerates quite heavily towards the end of season four, and then it slows down considerably for the first half of season five, and then goes into overdrive uh, towards the end. I I think it's, it's, it's partly they had ground to cover, but also there's a... I think there's a natural rhythm to the finale of TV shows where you want things to get faster, you want things to get more intense in the lead up to, and then exactly what he did here, you want to then slow down for that final episode and you want to savour it and you want to take your time. Uh, and I think he did that and I think he did it very well. I would love to see a graph, if anybody loves graphs and is a big Breaking Bad fan, of the pacing of Breaking Bad because obviously the first episode is just straight up. It goes up and then it wiggles down again and second season gets a bit better and then you get the plane crash. But watching how they do finales is fascinating because the end of the third season you get Gail's death and then the beginning of the fourth season you get Box Cutter mm. which up until Ozymandias was I think the episode where I just go <laughs> but yes how do you pick just one episode how okay I think we have to wrap it up because it's been a ridiculously long time um, already I mean I, I, I know we're probably all sounding like uh, you know slightly one note here but we really all did love it uh, we'd love to have a descending voice for the sake of nothing but but we really don't have one in the office I'm afraid um, okay so let's f- let's finish up on a on a helpful note um, people who are now wondering what the heck you're going to do with your lives uh, in the absence of Breaking Bad do we have any helpful hints on on getting on with with life meth yes <laughs> meth it's the only way forward all crying or you could look forward to some some films. There are films out there. I've heard yeah. that there are these things called films. Uh, whilst Breaking Bad, this final eight episodes were on, it was almost easy to forget that. But we've got Gravity coming up, and that mm. is yeah. top draw. So look forward to that. Gravity, Captain Phillips, 12 Years a Slave, the whole of Oscar season lies before us, and that's got to help get us through. Okay, um, on that note, and until Better Call Saul arrives, uh, thank you to James. Thank you. And to Ali. Goodbye. Your font of all Breaking Bad knowledge and thanks from me. We'll see you soon.